Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, ladies. I love you, too. was not expecting that this morning. It's so funny, though. Um, today, uh, the message is about prayer, and it amazes me how often I hear somebody tell me that they're praying for me and how I see the Lord move in my life out of other people's prayers. And so when, when the girls and I get together, I know that they love me and that they're praying for me. And even last night I came into work. I always come to work early on, um, and this is work. I know it's church for most of you, but this is my job. This is what I do. Um, but on Saturday, I come in around 4 o'clock, and whether I'm preaching or not, but normally if I'm speaking, then I'll go over my sermon change things, because I like to tweak things in my sermon up until the last minute. Everybody appreciates that. Sorry, guys, in the booth. Um, but I was here, and I was in my office, and I was praying, and I was reading my Bible, and I was going over my sermon, and um, Rick Urban, most of you probably know him, um, he's one of our leaders for Prime Timers, which reminds me, they will not be meeting this Friday, because it is Good Friday, just so you know. If you're a Prime Timer, they meet the third Friday of each month. You can totally come hang out. Um, at two o'clock at the church, but Rick, these prime timers, these older, wonderful, amazing people who love our church and love Jesus, um, he came into my office and he said, has anyone prayed for you yet? And I said, no, no, and he goes, can I pray for you? And I'm like, of course. I covet the prayers of our elders who have a special relationship with God. I covet the prayers of people who really love me and want God's will for my life, and I, it's such a treasure. This morning, even Roberta came up, and we, we pray as a group before church starts. The connection team prays, and the worship team prays, and we pray for the service, and we pray for you, and we pray for God's will to be done in our service. But Roberta comes up to me and gives me a big hug and just prays in my ear and prays for me before I speak. And those are the prayers that I really just treasure. When somebody loves you and when they love Jesus and they take time to pray for you and remember you in their prayers, I don't think there's anything more special. Um, so thank you for your prayers. Um, thank you for your continued prayers for your staff, for your volunteers, for Faith Center. Um, prayer is a huge weapon. It's a huge line of connection to the Lord. And today um, I'm going to talk about radical prayer. Um, We've been going over things the, the last, what, six, five, six weeks? Um, radical God has been the series, and we have learned about radical relationships. Radical relationship with God, radical relationship with others, and the purpose of those relationships is to glorify God. We learned about radical love and how it seeks him and it thirsts for him and it focuses on him, and that when we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all of our strength, that Christ is glorified in that. We learned about God's radical grace, right? Pastor Brandon came and gave us a word about how we are rescued. We don't get what we deserve, and God's grace covers all of that. We learned that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. Last week, we learned about radical mission and how God being in us and us being in the Lord is what we need in order to go out and be on mission for Christ, and even sometimes stay where we are and be on mission for Christ. Amen? And God glorifies himself 
in that when we when we are in him and he is in us and we share that with other people god is glorified and so my first point today is the purpose of prayer is to glorify god everything that we do everything that we are absolutely should glorify god but the purpose of our prayer life the purpose of our relationship with him is to glorify god and god is glorified in our prayers because our prayers acknowledge the fact that we need him that we depend on him that he is the only thing that can take care of us that loves us more than anything in the world that has the best will and purpose for our life laid out before us we pray to god because we depend on him and in the bible even jesus prays many 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 times and every time jesus prays he glorifies the father his prayer is to glorify the father matthew 6 9 through 10 says our father who art in heaven holy is your name he's glorifying the father john 14 13 says and i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son jesus is saying that i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in me and any time that jesus asks to be glorified the purpose is that the father would be glorified as well and so when we pray and when we talk to god we recognize and acknowledge the glory of god the glory of who he is the god of the universe the glory of jesus christ the son who even in his death and resurrection glorified the father and the glory of the holy spirit who lives in us and the holy spirit that we can be in as well so that we can go out and show people the light of the lord in us radical prayer glorifies god that's what we did in worship right it praises the lord it says holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come who knows that the bible scriptures are an amazing powerful prayer language that we can lift up to the lord sometimes sometimes the scriptures is all we need to lift up the lord and and praise him in a way that is worthy so we pray and we glorify god out loud right and everybody's prayers sound different i know that sometimes prayer can be intimidating sometimes people ask you to pray out loud and you're like uh no thank you um it can be it can be because people expect you to have some amazing glorious prayer right god doesn't want our big words he could care less about what words you're saying while you're praying as long as you're authentic and genuine and actually communicating right prayer is about communication and so the biggest part to start with is that we glorify god and so in our prayer let me encourage you and maybe give you a little tip you can say a whole prayer just glorifying god and people will think you're an amazing prayer speaker like that's not why we do it of course but if your heartfelt cry of your heart is to praise and worship the lord then all you have to say is holy 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 are you lord you're worthy if i'm being honest last night i was not feeling worship was not feeling worship but we got to that song about worthy worthy is the lord and i just kept saying worthy 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 you are so worthy lord you are worthy of every praise that i can give you and even when my attitude is bad and even when i don't want to go to church or don't want to worship or don't want to study i can still say you are worthy because it's all about him even when you're asking for a blessing from the lord 
we all pray for ourselves. We pray for things that we need, things that we want, for health, for wellness, for our families. When we're praying, whether it's for us or for other people or to glorify the Lord, we're asking for blessings from God, right? But every blessing that he gives us is also to glorify him. Every answer to prayer is to glorify himself. He loves us, absolutely. He wants to take care of us, absolutely. But our relationship exists to glorify him. And so if we ask for something and he gives it to us, you better believe we should be the first person saying, thank you, God, and telling people about it. That is our testimony. Every time he answers a prayer. And somebody told me a long time ago, God answers our prayers in three ways. He says yes, he says no, and he doesn't say anything at all. So no matter how the Lord answers your prayer, he is glorified in it. What is it? It's a Garth Brooks song. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Amen. That's a good song. It's true. It's true. How many times have you prayed, Lord, give me this? And you're like, oh, that probably was a good idea. I didn't get what I asked for. You know? So leading up to and even on the cross, we see Christ in conversation with his father. And actually, like, before he goes to the cross, we see an uptick in prayer. Like, the Lord is praying continually um, and talking to his father. And we see that in John 17, which is before he goes to the cross. And I love so much about this passage, John 17. I'm not going to read it all today, but the passage is just this amazing prayer Jesus basically stops what he's doing, and he looks to heaven, and he talks to his father. And I was thinking about this this morning, actually, in worship, and it doesn't say that Jesus closed his eyes, and he bowed his head, and he knelt, knelt before the Lord. It says he opened his eyes, and he looked to heaven, and he talked to God. Some of us need a reminder today to not hide in our prayers to open our eyes and to look to heaven and literally be aware of what's going on. So I don't know who that's for today, but we need to open our eyes when we're praying, um, both literally sometimes and figuratively. But in John 17, it says, after Jesus said this, he was talking to his disciples, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all of those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So, Jesus is talking to the Father, and he's saying, in all this, Lord, you be glorified. And glorify me, but only for the purpose of you being glorified. But this conversation also is a really amazing glimpse into the intimacy that Christ shares with his Father. Jesus prays to be glorified so that God is glorified in him, but Jesus' fellowship with the Father, his relationship with the Father, was full of intimate communication, constant fellowship with God the Father. And that's what he calls us to as well, which we'll see as we go a little bit further in Scripture. 
But radical prayer is communion with the Father. And communion is the sharing or the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. I know y'all thought it was like a little cup that we drink every once, once a month, right? Communion is the act of sharing emotions and feelings. It's the act for us of remembrance when we take communion together to remember the Lord, but it's the sharing. It is the corporate gathering and sharing of that remembrance together, of those feelings and those emotions, and that's how we remember the sacrifice of God on the cross. It's communion with the Father. And our prayer is to focus on our fellowship with God. Our prayer is to focus on communion with God the Father. And it brings fellowship with him, and it brings fellowship with each other, right? The Bible says where two or more are gathered, there I am in your midst. Pray together. Pray with someone else. God will build us up as a community and a body of believers that is more powerful for him and glorifies him more than anything else if we pray together. To fellowship with God is to be in the light as he is in the light. To fellowship with God, last night I talked about how, you know, when I was little I had, my mom would tell me, you know, oh, you can't go play with those kids, right? Did you ever have, everybody has one friend or one friend that their parents are like, sorry, you can't hang out with them, right? Come on, I'm not the only person, right? (laughs) Maybe I was the bad friend picker, but... The reason that my mom didn't want me to hang out with these people was because she didn't want them to rub off on me. She didn't want me to get a bad attitude, or she didn't want me to do bad things. The opposite is also true. She wanted me to hang out with my Christian friends. She wanted me to go to church and go to youth group and do all these things because she wanted that to rub off on me, right? The more we fellowship with Christ, the more we pray, the more we commune with him, the more we pray together, the more the Spirit rubs off on us. The more people will see Christ in us just because we exist in his presence, because he rubs off on us. And there's, um, I think I should also note that 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 fellowship, that time together, is a time to really be intimate and vulnerable. Like, it, prayer is a safe space, both with the Lord and with your safe people who, who love you. It is, it is the place to pour out your heart. It is the place to be vulnerable. And that is so important when you're building a relationship. Um, there's this song, it's called In the Garden. It was written in, like, 1912 by a guy named Charles something. I can't remember his last name. You can Google it. Um, but... It was redone in the 80s by Merle Haggard, and this is what I remember. My mom, like, singing. I totally just dated myself. But I remember my mom and my grandma singing these songs to me, and some of you will know the song by the title, He Walks With Me. Um, And it says, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. No one else has the relationship with Jesus that you have. No one else has the relationship with Jesus that I have. It is my special, intimate relationship with the Lord. And that is only possible by spending time with him. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't spend time with, right? 
but it's a unique relationship. My relationship isn't like your relationship, and your relationship isn't like my relationship, and that's good, right? Otherwise, it would just be cookie-cutter religion. We don't want cookie-cutter religion. We want relationship. In the Bible, there's a word called, and it's koinonia, and it's a Greek word, and it's all throughout Scripture, but what it means is it means sharing or participation or fellowship. Fellowship with God is sharing life with God. It is communicating with God. It is participating in a relationship. And fellowship with others under the banner of Christ should be the same thing. It should be a sharing relationship. It should be a participatory relationship. It should be fellowship. Prayer is a shared experience. John says, Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus, his Son. And then in the book of in the book of John, Jesus says, I am the Father, and the Father is in me. And Jesus prayed to the Father, I pray that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. What Jesus is saying is he wants us to be unified with the Father the same way that he is unified with the Father. Like, that blows my mind that Jesus wants us to be in such unity with him and the Father that it's the same as his relationship with his Father. Jesus prayed that we might be in him, both in God the Father and in Jesus Christ the Son. And that is what builds the communion and the unified relationships, being in Christ. And hard times will always come. But we will have our relationship with the Lord to lean on. And Jesus knows more than anybody that hard times will come. And so we're getting ready to um, have Good Friday services on Friday, and we're getting ready to celebrate Easter. And it's funny, some of you know that I occasionally on accident call Good Friday Black Friday. Because it's not a happy story. Like, like, my Jesus is getting crucified. Like, it's a, it's a solemn event. Um, and so we, we celebrate Good Friday, but we do it in order to celebrate the resurrection of Easter Sunday. But leading up to that, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, and then he prayed for himself first. We can pray for ourselves, right? But then Jesus prayed for his disciples, so John 17, verse 6 says, I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but you are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they will may be as one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, 
But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified truly. So Jesus prays for his disciples, and he prays for their preservation, and he prays for their unity, and he prays for their faithfulness, and that they will remain strong, and he prays for their protection against the devil and the world. Um, but the thing that I took mostly from the scripture is that the Lord almost looks at his disciples as equals. They have spent so much time together in unity and in communion that the Lord is specifically praying for the ones who are now not of, of this world, just as much as he is not of this world. That's what the scripture says. And for me, that tells me if I spend all my time with Jesus, if I am constantly communicating with the one true God, then I also cannot be truly of this world. I don't want to be. I don't want to be of this world. But Jesus knows what's coming, and he, so he's praying for his friends, and he's praying that God would be glorified in them. He's praying for their safety. He loves them. He's praying for all these things. But he also prays for the will of God. Radical prayer surrenders to the will of God. Thy will, not my will. Submission. Depending on him truly. We are called to surrender to his will. What helps me is that I know that I'm not enough, but I know that he is enough. And in that, I can surrender to the will of God. But that's also what we see in Jesus' prayers. He's surrendering to the will of God. I don't know about you, but when I was little, I had a lot of prayers that I prayed. Um, it was funny, the other day I was thinking about one of the first times I asked Lizzie to pray out loud. We were not at home. We, I can't remember where we were, but we, I think we were here and we were in a group or something. I'm saying, like, who wants to pray? And Lizzie's like, I do. I'm like, okay. She puts her little hands together and she goes, thank you, Jesus, for this food. And thank you for my family. And bless the hands that made it. Amen. We were not eating anything. <laughs> we were in a circle studying the Bible. But that's where she learned to pray. Like, obviously, we pray before we eat. But it was also this realization, like, is this the only place she hears us pray together? Like, is the only place that we pray together as a family at the dinner table? And so that's the prayer that she recites when you say, okay, Lizzie, it's time to pray. It was, it was eye-opening, and it was something that really spurred me on to pray with my children in other circumstances. In the car, before bed, on the way to church, at church. When somebody has a bad attitude, that's my favorite. Have you ever said those prayers? Lord, help Elizabeth Shea. <laughs> I cannot deal with this attitude right now. And she loves you, Jesus, so give her your heart. And she's just like, thank you, Mommy. <laughs> but yeah, those, those out loud prayers, I've done it before too. Lord, help this person. I need them to listen to my words and to obey them. 
and I will say it out loud, very loudly, mostly in front of my children. Um, but yeah, we, God likes our audible prayers. He, he honors those. But when I was little, I would pray my own little prayers, and I would pray, like when I was really little, I'm like, Lord, please send me a husband and let me get married before I die. Lord, please let me have babies and be a mommy and have a house before I die. And then it was, Lord, please let me have a house and have babies and get married and then be a grandma before I die. Like, I kept, like, adding on to my list. Like, please let me, uh, yeah, have four babies before I die. Like, it was always my prayers when I was younger were like, please let me do this before I die. Um, and now it's more like, Lord, take me if you want me. <laughs> and let your will be done. Because I have, I don't even know what's going on some days. But we learn from Scripture and we learn from Jesus' prayer that we really are called to pray, to the, pray according to the will of God, Right? I, sometimes I don't know what to pray, but I'm just going to go, Lord, let your will be done. Because I don't, I don't even know what I want right now. So you let, you run the ship because I'm, I'm going to run us aground if you are in control. So we pray according to the will of God. And Jesus, even Jesus, prays according to the will of the Father. He submits to his Father. How much more should we be submitting to the Father if Jesus submits to the Father? Jesus is God. Thy will be done, not my will be done. Last week, Leslie talked about how Jesus did or said nothing on his own apart from the Father. She talked about how he did and said everything in complete dependence on God, his Father. And that's what we're called to do also. Everything that we do should be depending on God. Everything that we should do should be under the banner of submission to the Lord and his will. Prayer is a conversation with God that acknowledges our dependence on him. It acknowledges that I'm not enough, that he's enough when I'm not. And it's even enough for people who cry out to him in their worst, darkest moments. Even people who say, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in God. As their car is driving off the road into the, the abyss, they're yelling, God save me. Because in our hearts, inherently, God has put it in there as humans, we know that there is something out there. There is something in control of the whole universe so that we can say, God help us in times of need. His will is stronger and higher and greater than ours. And Jesus knew that God's will and his plan was the right one and still is the right one. In the Garden of Gethsemane, three times, Jesus called to his Father to let this pass from me. Take this burden from me. But then he followed it up with, not my will, but thy will be done in all things. Radical prayers are heartfelt cries poured out to God. God honors our heartfelt prayers. I can't tell you how humbling it is to sit in the presence of somebody who's praying a heartfelt cry out to the Lord, whether it's a cry of desperation, a cry of grief, a cry of joy, maybe at the birth of a child or something, the heartfelt thanks when somebody maybe gifts you something that you needed, 
when you thought you were abandoned and alone and the Lord shows up, those heartfelt prayers are some of the most just treasured things that I've been able to witness. But what about when we don't know what to pray? What about when we don't have the words? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit prays for us. In Romans 8.26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. He prays for us. A couple weeks ago, Brandon took us through the book of Ephesians in like five minutes. It was really amazing. Um, but part of that, he touched on putting on the full armor of God. And for me, that's one of those things, I've talked about it before, that really is a prayer. That's a part of scripture that you can absolutely use it as a prayer. But I think it's important to read what comes before it. The why, Right? The why says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the darkness of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, evil in the heavenly realms. That's what we exist in. That's what we live in. And that is why we put on the full armor of God. That is why we put on truth as our belt, and justice as our breastplate, and zeal to propagate the gospel of peace as our foot gear. That's why we hold up a shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, we put on a helmet of salvation, and we carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that is a prayer. That is a prayer that I think every Christian should memorize. But we have to remember why we say the prayer. We have to remember why we do that. And after that, in the scriptures, in verse 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times. So we put on the armor of God, but then we pray in the Spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition to this end, to stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. We put on the full armor of God, but we pray in the Spirit afterwards. We abide in the Lord. We exist in his presence, and we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is directly tied to the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. In 1 John it says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit. So we pray. We pray to be prepared for the battle. We pray to succeed in battle. We pray to recover from the battle. Amen? But it says first we abide and pray. We abide in the Lord. We rest in the Lord. And we pray. So that when it's time, we're rested and ready for the battle. When it's time, we've covered ourselves in prayer for the battle. When it's time, we're equipped properly for the battle. We pray so that we can have peace in the battle because we've practiced it so much that the battle won't affect us anymore, right? We've existed in that presence of the Lord so much that it's rubbed off so much that the battle doesn't affect us anymore. In John 16, it says, I, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We pray in the spirit and we pray in truth. Prayer is honest. Prayer is not a manipulation. Prayer is not a give me whatever I want and I'll do this for you. Oh, Lord, if you would only do this, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Right? Everybody prays that prayer. I've prayed that prayer. Right? Lord, get me out of this one. Right? Get me out of this one, and I will serve you forever. I promise. I've prayed that prayer probably more than, like, five times, honestly. I did not make the most bestest decisions when I was younger, just saying. But our life, oh, sorry, I skipped a spot but you love me, so that's okay. Um, But we pray in the Spirit, and we pray in truth, and prayer is meant to be honest. And the Bible tells us to pray continually, to pray without ceasing. And I was actually talking to the girls on Thursday about that. And for me, to pray in the Spirit and to pray without ceasing are connected. For some of us, it's not the same. For me, it's kind of the same thing. If I'm praying without ceasing, then I'm praying in the Spirit. Because I definitely couldn't walk through the world all day long, 24-7, praying in my own self. Like, only in the power of the Holy Spirit. I use this as an example. Only in the power of the Holy Spirit can I run a mile. Like, I'm sorry. I love all you people that exercise. That's great. But the only way I'm going to work out is if I have worship music going. Like, literally. I have to ask God for his power to exercise. I'm not joking. It's hilarious. I get that. But I am not one of those people that is like, yes, let's go lift weights. I'm not one of those people that are like, I'm going to run 23 miles this year. I'm going to run a marathon. Never, never, ever will you see. If you see me running, there's someone chasing me. Like, no. It's not. Or there's candy in front of me. Like, I need some motivation. It's either an emergency or it's Jesus. That's it. But to continually pray in the spirit of our own power is impossible. It is only possible to continuously pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, yes, that means using our prayer language. That means praying in tongues. But you don't have to do that to pray without ceasing. You you can pray without ceasing which we learned when you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. When you do those things, when you hold every thought captive, you can have that open line of communication with the Lord. When you have surrendered your will to the Father, when you have opened your heart to the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like a telephone call, right? So my husband calls me when he leaves work. We're, we're kind of cute sometimes. But he calls me every time that he leaves work. And sometimes we don't have anything to say, but he stays on the phone with me. Now, he lives like five minutes from the house, so it's not like an hour-long phone conversation. But he stay, we stay on the phone with each other, whether I'm yelling at the kids or I'm making dinner or he's yelling at whoever's driving down the road the wrong way. We stay on the phone together just because we want that connection, you know? Or he tells me how his day was or I tell him how my day was. But we, we talk on the phone from the time he leaves work to the time that he gets home. When we have the Holy Spirit, when we have learned to rely on the Lord, it's like that phone call with never having a disconnection. You never lose battery power. You never drop a call. 
You never drop your phone down a drain. It's a constant open line of communication with the Lord when you have the Holy Spirit within you. And therefore, you can pray without ceasing. You can have that nonstop connection with the Lord, even when you don't think that you do. And then when you don't have the words to pray, the Bible tells us we can pray in the Spirit. We can pray in our spiritual language. Or like me, you can just go, worthy, 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 Lord, I love you. Your will, not my will. Let's get her done. Like, it's a prayer. I, one of my favorite people that prays is Mike Crafton. He goes, hey, God. Hey, God, how you doing? We love you. Those are some of my favorite prayers. They're so heartfelt. And that shows a relationship. It's okay to be casual with God. He's supposed to be your best friend, right? So I just talked a lot about a lot of different things. Um, John 17 ends with Jesus play, praying for all believers. So he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers. He prays for anyone that ever will know who God is. And then he tells us that the Spirit continues constant intercession for all believers throughout eternity until we get to heaven. That the Holy Spirit is constantly interceding on our behalf because we are in the family of Jesus Christ. So we have plenty of reasons to pray, plenty, plenty of reasons, plenty of incentive to learn how to pray. But the best thing that we can do, and this is my last point, is if we want to have a radical prayer life, we have to follow the example of Jesus. And Jesus prayed for others. He prayed with others. He prayed alone. He prayed in nature. He prayed wherever he was. He took time to pray. He prayed regularly. His prayers were out of truth and heartfelt. His prayers lined up with the scriptures. Don't you dare pray a prayer that does not line up with the scripture. Can I tell you? Don't, don't start that snowball. And then Jesus also taught persistence in prayer. Luke 18 talks about the parable of the persistent widow and how she keeps asking and asking and asking this judge to, um, what did he, what's she asking to do? Sorry. Um, I didn't want to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read it. Then Jesus told his disciples as a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. <clears throat> so she keeps coming and she keeps asking and she keeps coming and she keeps asking. He keeps saying no, 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 no. And eventually she wears him down and he says yes. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will see that they get justice quickly. This parable isn't meant to encourage us to pester the Lord. It isn't an encouragement to be like, Dad, 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 Dad. Right? Because then what happens? Okay, fine. Right? That's not what it's telling us. It's, it's telling us that God honors persistent prayer. God honors the cry of our heart and the attitude of our heart. And when we are persistent in those prayers, he will give us what we ask. I'm going to close today with the Lord's Prayer. Um, but I think it's also important in this context to read what Jesus says before the prayer, before he teaches us how to pray in Matthew 6. 
He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he teaches us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reveal who you are to me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Set the world right, Lord. Do what's best for us. Give us our daily bread. Keep us alive. Feed us, please. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debt, who, as we've forgiven our debtors. Forgive us those who have sinned against us and forgive us when we sin. Amen. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You are in charge, Lord. You can do anything you want. For yours is the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord's Prayer is a really valuable guide for us to follow as believers and for us to follow in community. It's one of those prayers that I lean on constantly. And it's one of those prayers that we can pray together because we're called to be a community of prayer for Him.